0: We present the Unbound Sketchbook, written by Gareth Johnson, Brian Murray, Dario Knight and Matthew Doherty. Volume 4.
1: Burn the books! Burn the
0: books!
1: Hey! What are you doing? Burning the books like we agreed, so we might live out our lives unburdened by the complication of knowledge.
2: Yeah, but... Not that book. What? That's the Unbound Sketchbook. A wonder-infused magical creation that brings sketches to life before your very ears. I don't get it. Here, let me show you.
3: Knock, knock. Who's there? Doctor. I'm
4: sorry, I don't remember calling for a doctor. You must have the wrong house. Wait, what? I think you've got the wrong house. No, no, wait. This, this isn't right. You're meant to say Doctor Who. But why? I don't care about your name. I didn't call for a doctor. Yeah,
3: but otherwise the joke doesn't work.
4: Uh, oh, right. Sorry, I'm with you now. OK, go outside and try again. Knock, knock. Doctor Who.
3: No. First you say, who's there? And then you say, Doctor Who. What? You mean like, who's there, Doctor Who? Oh, no, you're just not getting this at all. Look, how about you go outside and knock on the door and I'll go inside.
4: Oh, all right. Not knock, knock. Piss
3: off! And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how to steal someone's house using the power of jokes. No, that thing's freaking me out. I'm going to burn it.
2: You can't. And who's going to stop me, Inspector Murder? Who? I'm glad you asked. There
0: seemed nothing altogether peculiar about that night as I walked toward number 666, horrifyingly gruesome murder alley. But even as I knocked upon the door, I couldn't help but feel there was some ugly disturbance waiting for me inside.
3: Who are
5: you
0: calling ugly? It wasn't me, it was uh, the voiceover. Oh, can I help? My name is Inspector Murder. I'm here to inspect a murder. Come again? I'm here to see the body.
5: Ignore that. It's just the man next door, up all hours of the night, hammering away on his organ. Anyway, what body?
0: The one that's been murdered. There hasn't been a murder. Having a dinner party. But I was told there was a murder. This is 666 Horrifyingly Gruesome Murder Alley, isn't it? Yes. Well then, let me see the body. What body?
5: Who said there was a body? The script. Oh, I see. Well, there hasn't been a murder. Uh, Yes, there has. No, there hasn't. (laughs) Now there's been a murder. Right. (sighs) Well, I'm here to see the body. Certainly, come on in. (laughs) Oi, Arthur, give it a
2: rest, will you? It's clearly possessed. It's evil. We should burn it. Not everything that you don't understand or is a bit different is evil, you know.
1: Tell that to the Daily Mail. Ooh, satire. Next sketch?
2: Yep.
3: I say, I say, I say, my dog's got no nose. How does he smell? I'm sorry, what? You
4: know, it's the old
3: joke. You
4: say, my dog's got no nose, and then I say, how does he smell? Then you say,
3: awful. What are you talking about? You know, you say awful because your dog stinks. Oh, my dog stinks, does he? Not only do you make light of the fact that he's been brutally mutilated, but now you insult his hygiene. Well, well, no, I just thought thought that... You thought that one insult wasn't enough? I just thought we were doing the joke. Oh, I'll remember this, you know. The next time one of your pets gets attacked by an eagle, I'll just say, (laughs) Your pet sucks and your mum's a slag. Look, I I didn't mean that... And as it happened... He couldn't smell. Of course he couldn't. He had no nose. Oh, I feel really bad now.
4: Is there anything I can do to make it up to you?
3: Can you give my dog his nose back?
4: Look, I'm sorry, okay? Is there anything I can do?
3: Well, you could give me your house. Really? Yep.
4: Okay then. Hang on a second.
3: And that, ladies and gentlemen, is another way to steal someone's house using the power of jokes.
1: Well, how about I burn this book on inappropriate sound effects and their use in surrealist humour instead?
2: Okay, throw it on the fire. (coughs) I have literally no idea how to respond to that. Cut to sketch? Probably best. (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh what a lovely dinner party i'll get the main course oh but can i just say what an honor it is to have the eminent philosopher Immanuel kant to our little party thank you i hope our humble meal does your presence justice i was worried that the soup was a little bit too salty.
4: Don't worry, Liebchen, it was fine. So, Manuel, tell us,
5: what are you working on at the moment? Well, Leopold, it's very complicated, but if you're sure, I am working on categorical imperatives. Categorical imperatives? Yes, There are unconditional moral obligations which are binding in all circumstances, regardless of the individual's perspective. But surely there must be time No! To tell the truth is a categorical imperative. Even the liar knows that to lie is wrong. There is never an excuse for lying.
3: Really? None at all? What if you had to lie to to save someone safe from a murderer? Nein, that is what
5: is so fundamental about the categorical imperative. It is universal. I have distilled morality to the same status as the laws of logic or physics. There is never an excuse for lying.
3: Mm. Oh, that's really profound. So, what did you think of the soup? Well,
5: uh, yes, that—that's a good example. A consequentialist approach would be to say that the price of not embarrassing ourselves would justify. No, no, but cari-
3: really, what did you think of the soup?
5: <laughs> well, you're really putting me on the spot now.
3: Oh, I'm sorry, but uh, what did you think of the soup? Well, the soup was well. Uh, hey, Gonzo, what
5: did
2: you think of it? Honestly, well, of course, honestly. I think you should go first. Right. Well,
5: the soup was indeed very savory, which is not always a bad thing. But hey, I'm just the world's greatest moral philosopher. What do I know about the soup?
2: can i just interrupt you there yes yes of course i've just remembered you don't even like soup Wh- what me not liking soup what <laughs> yes i remember now we were in the cafe on the leipzig strasse and they offered you soup and you said ah uh, what was it ah yes ach no only peasants drink the soup do you eat or drink soup i can never remember <laughs> Yes, yes, you said only an idiot would think that it would be some sort of treat to serve up, uh, what was that phrase you used? Uh, A bowl of horse piss with a few vegetables floating in it. Oh, I I said that? That doesn't sound like me. You don't remember. You categorically don't remember. Well, (laughs) now you mention it I-, I do remember that conversation, but I-, I think my remarks may have been taken out of context. Do you really think so, or are you just saying that?
4: Come, come, confer Emmanuel, <laughs> We are all friends in our little university philosophy department.
2: Well, he started it. Right, that's it. Perhaps Emmanuel would care to tell us whether some of us in the university departments might be more than just friends. Sorry? I'm sorry to have to bring this up, Emmanuel, but I think I remember you saying that Gretchen here may be more than just friends with Carl from the theology department. <gasps> Gretchen? Leopold, I-, I can explain! I... really? Oh, I... no, I not I'm think... pretty sure you mentioned it at the New Year's Eve party. <laughs> That's... did I? Yeah, gosh...
5: Well, I'm not sure. It, it's actually... You know, let's get back to the soup. You know, I have to confess, I thought it was a little salty. I'm sorry,
2: but there, I've said it. You're not just saying that to avoid admitting that you knew that Gretchen was having an affair with Karl from theology? I... I...
5: Gretchen? W- Emmanuel? All right, I admit it. The soup was horrible and way too salty. It was like sucking the Red Sea through a straw. And talking about sucking, of course, Gretchen is having an affair. Everyone knows it. And frankly, you, Leopold, should have guessed when she comes hobbling back from her seminars in the theology department looking like she's been riding the Vienna Boys' Choir. Gretchen. Clearly you've been shagging Carl from theology because you sure as hell haven't been wasting your spare time on cookery lessons. Are you all happy now? Gretchen? Leopold? I I am so, so sorry.
3: Oh, don't worry about it. You should have been here last week when we invited that bastard Nietzsche.
1: Do you think that last sketch was too intellectual?
3: Is it still a moral
2: imperative to tell the truth? I don't think so. Oh, right. In which case, I'm sure it was perfectly fine.
4: Oh, good. On with the next. Doctor, doctor, I feel like a pair of curtains. Mm, Well,
3: there's only one thing for it. You're going to have to give me your house. Oi, come back! Piss off! A third and final way to steal someone's house using the power of jokes. That's
2: it, I'm throwing it on the fire. Um, it's not burning. No, but look, the pages are turning on their own. I think
0: it's trying to start a new sketch. Welcome to another reasonably exciting episode of The Slightly Deadly Adventures of Mark and Jeff. With barbecue lit, but nothing to cook. We join our heroes in a desperate search for the missing elements which will allow them to complete their objectives.
1: Now, Jeff, the most important thing is to go in there with a clear plan. Identify what we need and how we get it, and then the mission will complete itself.
2: You can plan all you like, Mark. That's not going to get us any stakes. For that, we need action. We need to get in there and find them, not just try and think them to us. Otherwise, we'll just end up tired... With a useless lip barbecue, an empty stomach, and a crushing sense of failure. Is that what you want?
1: What I want is not to jump in blind like a madman. We don't know what's through those doors. I'll
2: tell you what, we do know, Mark. This door closes within the next hour. It's now or never, and there's no way in hell I'm choosing never. Damn it, Jeff.
1: 20 minutes with a plan is worth 10 hours
4: flying blind. Oi! Careful, Jeff. He looks dangerous. I'm right, I'm dangerous. Will you two crats stop arguing in front of the entrance and get out of my way? you better do what he says, Jeff. Let's move from here. There's
2: only one direction I'm moving from here, and that's forward.
0: Jeff, no! Damn it, wait for me! Once inside, Mark surveys the scene and formulates his plan of action. But with Jeff rushing headlong into danger, will their endeavors
2: end in disaster before they've even begun?
0: Careful with those baskets,
1: Jeff. I don't like the way they're precariously stacked.
2: We don't have a choice, Mark. We need a basket for the mission, and this is the only way we'll get one. Fine, but be careful. Stop worrying, Mark. It'll be fine. I'll just take this one.
1: Jeff, not that one. That's a supporting basket.
2: What? Oh, my foot. Oh, that's slightly painful.
0: Damn it, Jeff. Your injury will slow us down. Undaunted by the injury they have sustained... Our heroes venture deep into the seething heart of the supermarket. Dodging other shoppers' jollies with expert skill and agility, they finally come across that which they would desperately seek. I
1: don't like this, Jeff. It seems too good to be true. There's got to be something we're missing.
2: Why do you have to be so mistrusting, Mark?
1: The very thing we're looking for just happens to be reduced over 70%. Coincidence? Almost
2: certainly yes, Mark.
1: No, Jeff. There's a reason behind everything. Let's see. I knew it. Best before 12th July. That's today. If something goes wrong, we risk a minor case of food poisoning.
2: That's a risk we'll just have to take.
1: Well, we don't have to take it. There's plenty here at full price. Best before next
2: week. It's a risk financial constraints mean we're going to take.
1: Okay, but
0: on your stomach be it. Our heroes pay and exit. Objective complete. But at what terrible cost? Find out on the next mildly interesting episode of The Slightly Deadly Adventures of Mark and Jeff. So we can't burn it. How about we
2: just bury the damn thing? Okay, but how about one last sketch before we do? All right, then. Welcome everyone to another episode of The Postcode Lottery, the show where ordinary members of the public get the chance to win fantastic prizes, like adequate schools for their children to attend and appropriate hospital care. Today's contestants are Ben and Alana. Say hello. Hello. Hi. So without further ado, let's get on with round one. Alana, you're playing for a place. For your child at a local secondary school that's been rated as outstanding Your question. What? Is your postcode
3: HP thirty two nine J eight? Oh, I'm afraid I'm gonna have to throw
2: it over to the other
3: side,
4: Ben. HP twenty five G-H
2: Is within the catchment area! Yes! I can't believe it! I've won! Well, hold on there, Ben. Alana still has a chance to steal. Alana, in order to steal, you must get all these questions 100% correct! Are you ready? Naturally. Okay. Question one. Are you a middle-class parent with an overdeveloped sense of entitlement? Of course. Correct. On to question two. Do you feel guilty when unfairly getting advantages over other people? Don't be absurd, man. Correct again. And the final question. The big one. Alana. Are you willing to move house drive up prices and ultimately price Ben out of the area, forcing him to move just so that your child can have the school place that his child should have got? What? I'm sorry, this is absolutely not a buzzer round. Alana, I'm going to have to press you for an answer. Yes, definitely yes. It's another correct answer. Now, for the final round. As you know, whoever loses here will have the planned route of HS2 go by their house! <laughs> not in my backyard! Is another correct answer! What? That's not fair! Maybe not, but it's the fairest system we've got!
3: And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how to steal someone's house using the power of market forces.
4: Excuse me, I'm not letting this happen again. Is anyone listening That's all for the Postcode
2: Lottery. Join us next week when we'll be deciding whether the site for Ben's new house will be chosen as a pilot area for Um, new fracking projects. Excuse me, I'm telling you, this is not fair. Here's off!
0: The Unbound Sketchbook was written and performed by Gareth Johnson, Brian Murray, Dario Knight and Matthew Doherty with Pete Benson, John North, Joe Pratt... Emily Pugh, and Alistair Sanderson. It was recorded by Pete Benson, edited by Gareth Johnson, and produced by Dario Knight for Unbound.